0: Happy New Year and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. The gang's all here today. We've got Kirk. We've got PFB contributor, writer extraordinaire Stefano back with us today. And it is a new year, but we can't jump fully into the new year before we say goodbye to the year in film that's behind us. Was it a good year? Was it a bad year? Was it a mid-year? I don't know. We'll have to talk about that a little bit, but we are going to be taking part in the time-honored and hallowed tradition of top 10 movie lists. Everybody does it. We've got ours for you today. We're going to get right into it right now. Top 10 films of 2023 coming your way. Let's get into it. presented by St. Louis area Smoothie Kings. Now, here are your hosts, Cam and Kirk. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. As always, I am Cam. With me, we got my fabulous co-hosts. Kirk. I was hoping you'd say, sometimes I am Cam, and sometimes this so, is Kirk. That's right.
1: Just to keep things fresh and salty here in 2024. It's
0: true. We, we kind of alternate back and forth, but mm-hmm. with us also, one of our favorite people to have on the show, Stefano is with us. Stefano, thanks for being here, man.
2: Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back.
0: And gentlemen, we are here today to do something That everyone does. I don't know where this started. Does anybody know? We need like an oral history of where, I feel like in film, more so than any other like hobby, maybe books, books to book people do this too. It's like a top 10 list of the year. Yeah. It's, it's something you have to do if you're, you know, a cinephile and we do it every year and it takes years off of Kirk's life. It really does. It's it, it's
1: stressful. I it probably took me thirty hours to create oh, my like, no top ten list. I, I mean, I I looked at it one day a week for the past month, and I said, <laughs> I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I just don't know.
2: Kirk, he, you got You got to rank throughout the year. Like, oh, I have the spreadsheet. I have it Jan one. Well, there's no releases on the first day, but true. After I watch a movie, you know, give it a little score, give it a ranking, and then you have only maybe five hours then to I need break someone, some ties.
1: Yeah. I need someone to create a macro for me for my Google list. <laughs> yeah. And every time I rate something higher, it just automatically just ranks it for me. I think that's yeah. the only way I'll survive 2024.
0: That's good. Uh, the way that I did it this year was similar to what Stefano was describing, where I started a list in Letterboxd in January that said top 10 films, 2023. Okay. And I would just add movies as they came and, Move them up and down. And then once there were 10 and the bottom one got removed, I just took it off the list and I just kept rolling. And then eventually I had my list of 10. Did you keep that list private? I did. I kept it private on lettermarks. It's still private to this day, but I think as soon as this episode goes live... Tomorrow, uh, I'll publish it so that me, everybody will know at that well, point. Well,
1: thank you for your tricks, gentlemen. I will yeah. be using them yeah. immediately.
0: I don't know if it will make it more or less stressful, but it does, I don't know. It did actually work for me, which I was skeptical. I, I was worried I would get to the end of the year and be looking at my list of 10 and be like, I've terribly destroyed <laughs> this. Like, I, I've, I, this is an enormous mistake. But I didn't. I liked it. So <laughs> here we are. So let's talk about 2023. This was a year in film that was... Interesting, to say the least. We had kind of like, I mean, well, first of all, we had the writers and actors strike, which um, really kind of threw projects towards the end of the year that were supposed to come out into utter madness. So like Dune, we're supposed to have already seen Dune part two. There's a number of other films that got delayed this year due to the writers and actors strike. So the volume of content was interesting because at the beginning of the year, it was like we've got this huge COVID backlog that is sort of like, built up and so we've got all these huge movies that are going to be coming out and we had barbenheimer and all these huge event type uh cinema movies but then as the year went on that list kind of thinned out because projects were getting pushed when you guys think about this year in film compared to some of the more recent years like 2022 we'll leave out 2020 and 21 but why what's wrong with those years nothing in particular um where, how do you feel about it? Do you have good feels, bad feels? Like what's, what's the overall gist? Stefano, you can kick us off.
2: Let's do it. I, you know, I think it's been one of the stronger years in film and years and a lot of it, I can kind of gauge that when I make these lists and while some of the, most of the scores are arbitrary, you yeah. know, and ranking movies at the end of the day is, it, is arbitrary. Yes. But when I look at what I have and, top 25 top 20 compared to the last few years of of the drop-offs there there's much more of a gradualness to this year you know i would say up to my 18 or 20 that i could have any of those in my top 10 on a different day so you know it's you know it's hard for me to say that last year or, or the year before so i think this year and then also if we're talking about acting performances and, and all of that as well there's no room for so many good performances and i'm sure we'll get into that later but Super strong, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Kirk, where are you at on this? I feel
1: that for me, every other year is a good year in film Mm -hmm. of of my tracking. And I think last year was the good year as far as pacing. And every, and the off years, I think this is an off year. It's still good, but it's not strong. It's like there are some good highlights from this year that I liked, but I think I liked last year better Mm -hmm. as overall.
0: Yeah. I feel like with last year, what I, what I feel like I, because I remember being in last year and being like, "Man, this is a really good year for film." But I think really, as I look back on it now, I feel like it was a really top-heavy year mm-hmm. in film, where like the top five to ten movies were spectacular. Yes, but the depth wasn't really there. And this this year, I maybe feel like there's not as much depth at the top, but depth through to the like like Stefano was saying, like the 20s, 30s, you can go down that list and find a lot of really high quality films. Whereas like last year, the drop off after 10 was like drastic.
1: Yeah. I feel like there's so many movies out there that are going to make best picture Mm -hmm. that were only good for 50% of the movie. Oh yeah. (laughs) Even though I would still give them higher than a 50%, I I just know that there's one movie glaringly on, on my list, even in my top 10 that I'm like, the first half of this movie is perfect, mm. and the second half struggles. Interesting. And if they had only had a fully digested <laughs> life, then... Uh that we could have seen this as the number one, just clean slate. So I see a lot of that in the film. Wow, this year. what a
2: tease, Kirk. Kirk. I know Kirk is, Kirk is telling us right now that one of his top ten movies is only half good. So <laughs> <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot wait to get into this.
0: Yeah, we have to do it. All right. Well, without further ado, let's let's get into it. We'll do the first. we'll we'll start at the bottom. And the way this is gonna work is uh, we'll go count we'll go through the through a cycle here. We'll kind of snake draft it. and uh, we'll start at ten. If you have a movie that's on one of the other person's list, after they're done talking about it, you should talk about it. So even if 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 they had it at 10 and you had it at 4, go ahead and talk about it so we don't end up so like we can get all our commentary about that particular film out and then we'll, you know, we'll continue to kind of recap as we
1: go. So chat about the movie when it gets brought up. Yeah, and let us yes. know where
0: it's at on your it. list. I'll and, let you know
1: immediately, Stefano, about that 50-50 movie. Yeah, God, <laughs> I, I can't wait. It. It's
0: going to be great. Um, all right. Well, let's start at ten. Stefano, as the visitor in the in the uh, clubhouse here, kick us off.
2: You're kidding me. All right, I'll take it. So it's tough because there's always recency bias, especially at this time of year. Yes, um, there seeing is. Seeing movies that are allegedly higher quality because of Academy Awards and all that, but. You know, after thinking through all these, I felt very comfortable with one of my most recent watches, uh, the iron claw at number 10. So that's the, you know, tragic true story about the, about the, you know, um, Von Erich brothers and the wrestling family. And what really blew me away was, you know, I didn't know much about it going into it. I didn't know the tragedy, the family faced the entire story about that. Cause I don't, you know, know too much about the professional, you know, wrestling world. So It blew me away not only because it was told in a very interesting way, but it just had so many phenomenal acting performances. We had Zac Efron, who everybody was surprised would get a role like this. You know, we had the Zac Efron and Robert Pattinson comparisons coming up a lot recently because Robert Pattinson was of Twilight fame and he kind of came out of nowhere to become one of today's best actors. And then we had Zac Efron of High School Musical fame Kind of stepping up and taking on such a serious role, so
0: yeah, I like that pick. I actually have this at eight. Wow, I have I have the Iron Claw at eight. So I I was you know I was all I was with you. Like wasn't sure if it was recency bias or what, but I kind of sat with it for a little bit, and I agree. I just think this movie, it it goes about the storytelling in a really thoughtful way, and I think that um, I I'm kind of a sucker for like boxing and wrestling movies just because the metaphors are like rich man like the the like picking yourself up off the mat the like the cinematography around the ring there's been so many great movies about boxing and wrestling and things like that that you could see influences from raging bull you could see influences from all these great films built in here and i think really more than anything i was just surprised by this movie because i felt like the performances were so good um at the top end zach efron Zach yep. Efron, best actor nominee at the Oscars. I think that that's coming, and and that's like hope, that's, crazy. So. that's crazy. That's um, crazy. Not because he's a bad actor, but just like he hasn't gotten a chance to do this. Um, mm-hmm. And and it was such a, it's a crazy story. It was it's it, it's just an, a really interesting movie. It totally took me by surprise.
1: I've been waiting for Zach Efron to get an acting nomination since the final scene in Seventeen uh 17 again with him and matthew perry (laughs) yeah is in the courtroom reading off that blank piece of paper spoiler alert and he's just crying it's so so incredible stuck in my mind yeah Um, there's a big asterisk next to this because i've not seen this movie i haven't had a chance to see it so um bravo to your picks gentlemen
0: yeah Yeah. i think um he's been it, it feels like he's been angling professionally to try to get a you know roles that are a little bit more deep study acting roles. Like I think about that, like
1: instead of Baywatch, I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, exactly.
0: Cause I think he, I think he wears a lot of that, like, you know, attractive, like stud actor who only gets cast in movies for their looks. And I think he's trying to shed that a little bit. And, uh, I think this is a pretty darn good audition for future roles. Cause I thought he was, I thought he was awesome. All right, Kirk, number 10, my number 10.
1: Yeah. Oh man. Okay. I'm nervous. I'm, I'm worried you guys are going to judge me. We will judge you. Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> we'll only talk bad about you behind your back.
2: So oh, don't hoping don't this is the fifty percent one. Hopefully. Perfect. <laughs> this,
0: this is where you
1: guys like cut into your own chat room and <laughs> you disappear from my screen. And here I go. All right, my number ten. This is a curveball. I think my whole list is a curveball, but this is a very shocking one. As I went through my list, because it shocked me. Mm. I want to talk about Chris Pine in Dungeons and Dragons, yes. ladies and gentlemen. This movie. Every week I find myself, uh, for the first like six weeks after this movie, I found myself texting Cam Jarnathan Jonathan, Jonathan, <laughs> and finding the best gif that had been created because that movie brought me so much joy. And I think a lot of my movies that, uh, this year in particular were ones that brought me a little bit of uh, enlightenment or joy in my life. And, and this one was one of them. I had no idea walking into this movie, that I would be so uh, enthralled, so pleased. It could have easily went the other way and and just fell flat on its face. But... If you got a chance to see this in the movie theater, it was clearly and truly a wonderful, wonderful time. If you didn't get a chance to see it, I hope you got to watch it at home on VOD. I think it's on Peacock right now, Peacock or, or Paramount Plus, and it's truly just, just, a, just a, a razzle-dazzle time. <laughs> I, I can't give this thing enough stars. It's just so much fun. Um, so I doubt either of you have that on
0: your top ten. Am I wrong? No, I do not. I don't have it.
2: I I haven't even seen it, and oh. it's, not, it's not intentional. I've been wanting to see it, and I'm actually on social media. It's making a round of like people are, are bringing it back up now that we're kind of wrapping up the year. So you're not you're not you know in the my in the by yourself on that curve. Yeah, it's Thanks, the, the top
0: of the pleasant surprise category. I feel like yeah. to me to me like it's the one that. I was like grumbling heading into the theater because we like, you know, it was like March or February and it's like a total slog at that point when it comes to movies and Kirk and I were like, well, we got to review something. Here's this movie. (laughs) And we found ourselves just laughing hysterically throughout the whole thing. And it was like, Wow, that came out of absolutely nowhere. There's no reason for that to have been as funny as it was yeah, as good as it was. Absolute home run. I highly recommend. Number 10 for me. I like that pick. I like that awesome. pick a lot. Um, I'm going to try to talk into the microphone uh, going forward because I just like... Nope, I want you to walk <laughs> across the room. I just like leaned forward and didn't. and didn't. Um, okay, my number 10. I'm going with John Wick Chapter 4. Um, I don't even... I, I don't know... I need to do a a rewatch to really get my bearings on like which of the John Wicks is my favorite at this point, because I was trying to think about it. And I think in general, I just need to kind of like rewatch them all stacked on top of each other to get a gist for that. But I think this one is up there. And I think um, in terms of style and uh, aesthetic cinematography, this one is pretty high up there. There's some really cool scenes. There's some really crafty editing. There's a lot of cool dynamic contrast with, um, the colors, the locations, the, the editing, the one, I mean, the shot that everybody shares on social media, the aerial shot where it looks like you're playing like a third oh. person um, video game. And he's using those like incendiary rounds of that shotgun. Sick. I mean, me and Kirk saw it in the theater together and, <laughs> and we legit looked at each other. And we're like, yes, like, this is, <laughs> this is it. This is peak." Yep. So um, I was surprised to have this movie on my list because I, I don't know. It's just like, I love the Jonathan the oh, Jonathan <laughs> the Jonathan. Wick. I, was, I was thinking Jonathan, but I love <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the next parody Jonathan. Wick. Jonathan, <laughs> the, the bird, bird flies again. I lo- I love that. I absolutely love that. But anyway, the John Wick series, I love it, but it never makes my top ten list because I think it's just like. I don't know. It's like genre bias for me. Action okay. movie. Right. Uh, I don't know. It just never has. And so I'm glad that it's here and I'm happy to, to put it at number t- number 10. I'm proud of that. All right.
1: Stefano, was John Wick 4 on your list?
2: It was not, but I just want to tie this into our conversation we we're having at the start about if this is a strong year or not. I was, I'm very high on John Wick 4. I think yeah. it's incredible for everything you just said. And it's number 27 on my list. Hey, and yeah. That's how, like, and I absolutely loved it. It's probably like, my highest rated action movie. So just, yeah, everything you said, outstanding. we'll see if they keep, uh, keep making Jonathan wick movies. Very yes. Nice.
0: Jonathan wick. Oh man.
1: As that's... it so happens, it was number seven on my list. Hey, yeah. nice. So All right.
0: Bravo. So I'm not the only one giving John wick a little love. Of course I not. like it. All right. Let's, um, let's go with Kirk for number nine and then I'll, I'll start with, I'll start number eight. Okay. Yeah. My go num- for it.
1: My number nine, Again, I feel like the bottom half of my top 10 are, are just purely joy. Glad they did it. Um, glad they were successful at it. And this is clearly clearly goes to Super Mario Bros. I mean.
0: Wow.
1: Got to give it to them. Off the top rope. <laughs> I feel like a lot of movies uh, from the beginning of the year um, somehow ended up on my list. Is someone yeah. laughing?
0: Stephen, Stephen are you is laughing? laughing? He's laughing hysterically. I'm not laughing. He is. Are
2: you laughing? <laughs> Wait, did you did you you guys review it on the show?
0: We, we did. did. We absolutely
2: what, did. Kirk I, gave did it a really high, high score. What were your kernels on it? I'm trying oh, to remember. I
1: think 14 out of 10 no. I don't know what it was. I, I think so I quick.
2: gave
0: it in the 7s.
1: Mine was high. I'm just curious. Kirk's was high. Mine was very high. Yeah. That movie the did yours was yours. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Stefano wants to kill me.
1: <laughs> I think that this this movie really really did exactly what it needed to do. It had a a, a big a big homework assignment in the sense that there are a lot of ways that it could make a lot of people mad for, for dumb reasons, and it went straight through all the garbage of... You know, you get all these movies like that that throw in like their own political biases like about games? like This is what was happening with the Super Mario Brothers coming in. Like, who's the hero? Who's not? And they did exactly what they needed to do from top to bottom. The gameplay, the humor, I mean, and the, the standout Peaches song right in the middle. Like, this... This is what gave me life in 2023 like being able to take my kids to that movie and just who are just on fire for Mario and Fam right now it gave me so much joy and there we go my number 9
0: I like it I wouldn't awesome. I wouldn't put it in my top 10 but I do like it and I do think that they took a very thoughtful approach with it I think that it was like very much they were thinking of all the fans mm-hmm. and they were like we have to do right by them cuz they've been people have been clamoring for this for a long time and I thought that the way they went about it was s- safe is the wrong word, but because it, it, I do think that they, they still wanted to make sure that they made a good movie that represented everybody, but um, they, they did it in a really thoughtful way. No right. Doubt, no doubt. All right. It, my it, num- looked,
2: re- it looked really good. The it did, man. Really well. they, they made, they
0: really made good. Mario world come to life in a, in a very vibrant way. They did. All right. My number nine, I'm going with Maestro. I'm going with Maestro, and people are hating on this movie. I've seen I've seen the rounds on social media, calling it Oscar bait, <laughs> talking about prosthetic noses and, and and whatnot. And I would say that in general, the term Oscar bait is is lazy, but it's also um, I can see where people come from when it comes to to biopics. People get really like me my, myself as well. We've talked about it on the podcast before when you get like a very boilerplate biopic that's like the same formulaic thing like it and you know that it's just people angling for awards i think king richard kind of falls into this category yeah. there have been a few over the years um i i get that but this movie is not that this movie is not a boilerplate biopic this movie is a lot of things it's um it, it's not necessarily it's not a perfect movie by any means but i think it's super ambitious in the way that it's told and i think that You know, the main complaint I've seen about this movie is, like, this movie has nothing to say. It's not saying anything about being a, uh, uh, you know, like a tortured genius. It's not saying anything about relationships. It's not saying anything about, like, you know, being in this complex relationship where, you know, it's like you're having affairs with other people. Like, and and I would say that I view this more as a portrait pick. that it's like this is Lenny Bernstein, You know, and and, and it it necessarily doesn't have to be anything more than that. You Mm -hmm. know, I think there's a reason that some of the stuff is downplayed because it's just like he took the route of I want to tell the story of Lenny Bernstein. And um, that's the route that he went. And it doesn't always work. But when it does work, it's like it's really captivating. Like you can't take your eyes off of it. The cinematography, the acting performances from both Bradley Cooper and Kerry Mulligan, who both were standouts like that's. That's, for me, what puts it over the top. I think some people's complaints about it are totally valid, and I can see how they arrive at that. I just don't view it in that same way. That's fantastic. What do you think, Stefano?
2: Yeah, no, I was I was probably a little more mixed on it. I think mm-hmm. I agree with everything you said, Cam. And, and I think something else, I know a lot of people are talking about Bradley Cooper's ego. While it is there, I'll say yeah. that he had like the wherewithal to, to let Carrie Mulligan be the best part of this movie and agree or disagree. I think her performance just absolutely made the movie. So any, any hesitation somebody might have is you come back to that performance and it's absolutely phenomenal. And you know, that a lot of that has to do with Cooper's directing and playing off of each other in scenes. And I thought that was phenomenal.
0: Yeah. She's unbelievable.
1: It's so true. Like, That is such a good point (laughs) that that he really did let her be the star uh, of this film. And no doubt she gets nominated. Is this on your top 10 list?
2: It's not on my top 10.
1: Okay. It is on mine. Where's that? It's number five. Ooh, top five. And ironically, it's also... The movie that I was talking about, fifty fifty, perfect.
0: Well,
2: <laughs> that's, no, that's about, fair. I want to hear about. What, I want to hear about what fifty because I have a fifty percent of this movie I like as well.
1: I like the first fifty percent more than anything in this world. It is fast. It is quick. It is. You are fully immersed, uh, much like another f- li- uh, film. On I think we'll we'll definitely share this other film. It's uh, the first half of this film is shot like it takes place during that time, yeah. like during the fifties and sixties. Like it. It is picture perfect on how uh the the tone of the actors run through the tone of, of the storytelling uh the black and white and then when it shifts to quote-unquote present day to follow the rest of his story it drops the ball unfortunately mm.
2: that's hilarious you say that this is why i'm on here because yes <laughs> I, I i felt like the opposite oh I, okay i i and I agree with like the, they did the cinematography, the costuming, all of it was phenomenal. Um, I think of something about the story it was telling felt a little bit like it found its footing at the fifty percent mark, and and then it told the rest of that story because it kind of let those portions of it breathe a little more. But yeah. I totally I that. get what you're saying as well. But uh, but hey, that's. Why and You're I'm in, in the middle of both of you. Like you uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: I can, see, exactly. yeah, I can see, I can see it all. So, that's yeah. that's it's, very interesting. It's
1: funny because I loved, I loved the stylization of it uh, so well in the first half. I love that 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 we have the exact opposite feeling on that. That's pretty cool <laughs> because it's the same film. So keep that in mind, people. Stefano's not uh, running around and punching me in the face as fast as he can. <laughs> that's right. We can have differing opinions on the same movie.
0: Amazing! Yeah. What a novel concept. All right, Stefano, what's your number nine?
2: My number nine, I'm assuming, it might be, I don't know if you guys got around to seeing this, my number nine is Killers of the Flower Moon. Martin Scorsese's latest. Um, This was one that was very high on my list and figured it would stay there, but so much more came out along the way and it just bumped it back a bit, but I knew it needed to be in my top 10. It you know, is, first of all, phenomenal trailer, but it was, we were teased (laughs) for so long and it finally came out and I just thought it was such an important story to be told and i know we're so used to a lot of scorseses mafia based movies and as phenomenal as those are and as amazing as the acting is, is in those movies this felt like scorseses finally kind of taken a back seat a little bit and letting a different story take you know take the driver's seat you know and based off of a book of the same name it was you know telling a very important story about you know taking over land selling oil, stealing oil, you know, these natives gone missing, all of that. And with that, you get a really, really compelling story with amazing acting. Uh, DiCaprio is amazing as always, and De Niro plays, honestly, besides Raging Bull, I thought about this hard, but probably my favorite performance of his besides that. It's a Mm. super nuanced, super, like, maniacal De Niro without being too showboaty. And I just loved his performance, especially in combination with a very... With a very interesting DiCaprio characters, someone might call a more of a dull character, but I found it to be super compelling. Super funny, you know, at, at points because of DiCaprio's character, super heartbreaking, and I loved it. It was long. It was very long, but, you know, I thought it was great.
0: Yeah, I actually left this movie out in the cold on my top ten. Oh, wow. um, because... Well, I really liked it, and I really like the story more than anything. I, lo- I love the story, and I think I agree with you, Stefano, that it's super important. And I think that uh, uh, just really interesting. I mean, it's like such an underreported uh, part of American history. As someone who's gone through the public school system, like we didn't learn about <laughs> not at all. I mean, I mean, not even a little tiny bit. So I, that's why I think I, I applaud it for sure. I think at times, um, because the story was so good, that Scorsese kind of used that as a crutch, and and and. Not, I mean That sounds really harsh, but that's not really the intent. Meaning that he loved the source material so much that he's like, other people will see how good this is and this thing just makes itself that good. And so sometimes I felt him kind of milking it a little bit at times in terms of like, drawing things out a little bit on certain scenes, certain characters um, that I felt like, oh, why are we going so far into this or that or the other? And also the mystery aspect, I I, I wanted more of that. Like I wanted it to feel like a whodunit um, because I think the impact would be so much better. But I mean, the cinematography, the, the acting performances, Lily Gladstone, Robert De Niro, uh, Leo DiCaprio, really good. Um, it's just... I feel like with modern Scorsese I find this like I felt similarly about Wolf of Wall Street and the Irishman like his more recent films. They just feel like he loves the source material so much that he doesn't give it that discerning edit that I think we've seen earlier in his career that makes it
2: sharper. Yeah. He right, a, it almost feels like he like picks a runtime. Yeah a it,
0: does, it does. No it really yeah. does. You're right.
2: I totally get
1: that. Yeah, he gives too much information. Uh, he doesn't trust his audience. The, the longer he's alive, <laughs> <laughs> he's like people are getting
0: dumber, <laughs> and he's probably right about this. Yes, that. yes. We,
1: the audience we was uh, the audience surrogate was Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> it was his character in the movie. That's what he this said. is. You, you f- peasants. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. Killers got a high rating on mine, uh, even though I... Th- did we re- re- rate this on the podcast? I can't even no, remember. No, we didn't. We didn't yet. Yeah. Um, so this got a high one for me. I got, I put it in spot number four Ooh, overall. Awesome. Because uh, I love Scorsese. I loved Leo. The same thing as Cameron said the there was too much of the hand was given i i needed more of a reveal i wish that we didn't know all of those things up front that leo was doing and agreeing to if he was agreeing to all of the nefarious things he was agreeing to uh spoiler alert <laughs> then i wish that uh that would have been a flashback later on in the last 5 minutes of the movie versus uh
0: playing them out as they kind of occurred so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was
1: that was my my little
0: uh struggle with it gotcha All right, we're on to number eight, and it's my turn, but my number eight was already uh, given, the Iron Claw. Mm -hmm. So we are back to Stefano again for your number eight.
2: My number eight, The Holdovers. This was another one I had very high up, but I wrote a very in-depth review on it for Popcorn for Breakfast, so you can read that if you want more, so I'll keep this one short. Just one of those, it was, you know, you were going into it kind of expecting this heartwarming movie, just based on Giamatti being in it, the setting, um, the way it was filmed. And that's exactly what you get. And you also get so much more. It's a super heartwarming movie. It's shot so, so well. Obviously shot to look like the late 70s. The soundtrack was amazing. Um, you know, I think I talked about this too in the in the review, but Divine Joy Randolph gave hey. such a gut-wrenching, phenomenal performance. Wow. And, will likely not only hear her name as a nomination, but potentially as an Oscar winner. Um, and Giamatti, of course, phenomenal as always. Sessa, first-time actor, phenomenal in it. It's just, it's a great story. It's just well done all, all around. And honestly, anything, a movie anybody would like. You know, your yep. I mean, yep. dad, your brother, your sister, your younger brother, yeah.
0: Yeah. Your cousin, your
2: uh, <laughs> step. No, your second actually, cousin cousins, once
0: removed. <laughs> I, a cousin of
2: mine didn't
0: like it so. <laughs> there you go there you have it the, the line start, stops a cousin Kirk did you have the holdovers on your list anyway
1: I absolutely did uh, in fact I, I loved it so much I, I made sure that my wife was going to watch it she's watching it literally right now as we're recording oh, this She wow. texts me. she's like is it streaming I heard it was streaming on your podcast and I was like this this is how she texts really how she close texts. up to her face yeah. and I said yeah you can watch it on Peacock right now and it's definitely on my list at number three whoa we're gonna wow.
0: get a, we're gonna get Kirk's full top five before we even get there that's crazy I don't
1: think you will I've got a couple of curveballs up there ladies and gentlemen um so yeah this is this film just blew me out of the water I I think I I don't know if I texted both of you both Stefano and Cam or just Cam or or whoever uh the world I don't care Uh, I said that it was absolutely lovely Mm. absolutely delightful watching yes. this film through and through uh, reminiscent of uh, you know oh goodness uh, Dead Poets Society you know kind of vibes with boy, you know, boys boarding schools and such um, but without the real tragedies that that movie uh, encounters but this, this film The Holdovers was just really just really wonderful to see all these people's different walks of life come together uh, forced together uh, by happenstance and really just see how they could learn and grow from one another that sounds so cheesy but it, it's exactly what it was it, it's it does sound crazy. Really, <laughs> it's really lovely
0: yeah i agree i like this movie i had it at seven on my list seven the holdovers um alexander Payne. that's all that that that's all i, I he he i mean he's got a fan in me if, if he has a thousand fans i'm one of them if he <laughs> has one fan i might be that fan um, he i nebraska really like that movie the descendants majorly oh underrated movie um he's just, yeah warm like he really gets deep with the emotion, yes. and that's what I love about it. So great pick. The holdovers. Uh Stefano had it at eight. Kirk had it at three. I had it at seven.
2: Is that our first consensus?
0: I uh, believe so. The first I one on our I've Look been keeping that. track.
1: Yes, it is. The only one that all three of us had on our top ten. Yep. There you go. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Kirk. What's your number eight?
1: My number eight has not been picked yet. Nice. I don't know if it's on your guys's. We'll find out here in a moment. Is Guardians of the Galaxy three. Not on my list.
2: Not on my list either.
1: All right, well sad for you guys today (laughs) sucks to be you um i i hope this is a a film that will stand the test of time i worry about even though it came out months ago uh, i worry that it might have a recency bias only on 2023 with a lack of big good marvel films in theaters but i really do think that if the cgi holds up because it's a movie that is surrounded by a, a completely cgi character if the CGI holds up in the world of the aesthetic, then I really think the storytelling will hold on to it as well. I loved the villain. They got the villain right. The Bradley Cooper, you know, his second time mentioned in my list today, uh, is phenomenal in the voice acting. Didn't even know it was him in the first film. He was coming out. I was like, wait a second sounds oddly familiar. I can't believe they got some famous actor to do this. And now we have him in his third installment, uh, a solo, kind of solo Guardians installment of this. And I I just think it was really, really wonderful to explore this relationship and took me aback to be like, why do I care? Why am I crying for a a digital raccoon (laughs) in the theater full of, uh, 200 other people like that is how you know that you are good at storytelling and that how you know that what you've built is so strong so it gets number eight for me
0: I like it all right Uh, so we're back we're at seven now and I was supposed to start eight but I had the iron claw so we're actually back at Stefano to start off number seven
2: Well, if, do we want we can go to your six just so you can talk first on a movie I don't want to potentially run into another one of yours
0: well I'll go first on six I'll go first okay. on six. Hopefully uh, I don't take your number six. If you do, I'll just leave. <laughs> no, okay. it's okay.
2: Go ahead. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, my number seven, I uh, was May, December. Okay. And not my number six. So we're okay. Perfect. We're perfect. Okay, great. May, December. I remember this one being talked about early on in the year because we had, um, another Todd Haynes movie directed Carol, which was one of my absolute favorites from that year. And it's probably one of my favorites of all time. And it, it, it came off. You know, I know that early chatterings were like, "Oh, it's kind of like people thought it might be kind of like a Gone Girl, like kind of one of those weird, th- like thriller type movies that you know." In a while, there's some of those elements in those movies, like a Gone Girl or a Girl on the Train. The you know, the girls, the transportation, and the girl movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite subgenres: sorry. Girl yeah. in the Window. <laughs> it, it ended up being so much more, and it was such a just a curious movie. It's just. Todd Haynes just made makes his makes his movies like you want a seasoned filmmaker to make his movies. It's the actors perform so well with you know his script and with his directing, and we get so much from Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore, and out of absolutely nowhere, Charles <laughs> Melton gave yes. maybe a top three performance of the year in my opinion. Just so much heartbreak and in his character. And it's a super, you know, the story is loosely based off of a a real, real life story, you know, where a a teacher has uh, a relationship with one of her underage students and it's kind of built around that. And Natalie Portman just plays this wicked character, you know, kind of taking a shot at method actors and, and all, and also, you know, giving them some respect as well, but it's so interesting. It's thrilling. It's so, so funny at points but like in points where you don't expect it to be, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of got everything. It, this one really, really surprised me and blew me away. Absolutely loved it. So may December is my seven.
0: Yeah. It keeps you off kilter for sure. It, yeah. it really does kind of keep you off balance. And I was surprised by this movie in many ways, the score of this movie <laughs> Kirk knows. I've already talked to him about this. The score of this movie is absolutely unhinged. I like, it is. I could not believe my ears as I was
2: watching it. I was like, and the score is tied into because we were spoiler free, but it ties into so much of, there's a bit of a reveal towards the very end yep. of this movie. And it ties into a certain stylistic choice there. And I thought the score was was so interesting. I enjoyed the score personally. But yeah. It
0: felt, it felt, um, it felt David Lynchian to me, mm-hmm. you know, in, in many ways, but especially that. And so it made me uncomfy in, in a good way. Um, it's not, <laughs> but it's not, it's not on my top 10 list.
1: It's also not on my top 10. However, I thoroughly enjoyed my watch of yeah, it. Yeah, like, I agree. Thoroughly. I also love the debate online of, is this a comedy? I thought it was a drama or no, it's absolutely a comedy. I fall in the lines
0: of more it's drama. I don't it's- it's a it's, satire in the sense of it's a non-funny satire. Like they're making fun of something in a way that doesn't right. make me laugh. Yeah. It's
2: like, yeah, no, it's like definitely not a comedy. They had to shove it into, but it does have its funny moments. It's like, I don't want to spoil unless somebody might have the killer on their list. But like, to me, the killer like is one of those where that movie is 100% hysterical. Yes. yes. But yes. You, you need to view it that way. Cause obviously it's a character to not take seriously, but. Totally get that. But the Golden Globes are nonsense and trash.
0: (laughs) In that category, (laughs) it is always garbage. I think they do it on purpose. They just want people to talk about it.
1: That's the only way they get people to watch anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kirk, what's your number seven?
1: My number seven was taken.
0: Oh, good. What was it?
1: Perfect. It's gone. I don't have a number seven. It was John Wick.
0: No, no, that's what I'm saying. Just say what it is. Oh, (laughs) it was John John Wick. Wick. John Wick, got it. (laughs) Sorry. So now we're on to six uh, because my seven was the holdovers. Okay. Um, And I get, I'm going to start this one just because screw the order and I want to talk first. (laughs) Uh, My number six is Anatomy of a Fall, um, which is a a French film, uh, a a wonderful little procedural. I know, Stefano, you talked about it on the podcast actually last time you were on and I had not seen it to that point. Um, This movie is so interesting. Uh, I, I love how. I love when a movie uses the audience's biases against itself. That's just really smart writing. And there's a lot of that going on here. It's really smartly written. It's really sharply acted. Um, and it's just, again, I, I think they... it. This movie is toying with your psyche in so many ways. Like It's like, I know exactly what you're going to want in this moment, but I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to instead it like kind of incept this thought into your mind for you to ponder. So it's, it's, it's definitely thought provoking. It's gripping. I mean, it's like impossible to take your eyes off of. And, uh, I just really ended up loving it. I, I, I've, I, I don't know what more to say about it. I I ended up buying it on digital because I was like, I have a feeling this is going to be good. Um, and I'm glad I did because now I have it forever and I can, I can rewatch it. Fantastic. Stefano, what do you think?
2: I think I have Anatomy of a Fall at number six as well. Wow. Oh, nice. I, uh, I echo everything you you just said and also what I said in, in the previous episode, I guess guests uh, spoke on just absolutely amazing and interesting and also the most unique use and probably the only use in cinema history of a Marimba version of P-A-M-B. Um, <laughs> yes. Absolutely phenomenal. Doop, 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 doop. Oh, man,
0: <laughs> it's like haunting my dreams.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, stuck in my head now. And also, you know, we recently posted about favorite dog or animal performances in a movie or a show. Yeah. Um, the dog here that plays Snoop in an anime movie. Yes. Anatomy of a Fall is just phenomenal.
0: Epic dog acting performance. Oh my goodness. Epic, Kirk. <laughs> it's awesome.
2: So oh, Kirk, man. If you haven't seen it, you must.
0: I have not.
1: That is one on my list that I've not seen. I'm gonna You can go s- to
2: Cam's house and watch it. He exactly. It. I'm, I'm here not. now.
1: I'm going to go watch it. <laughs> yeah, Come Kirk's on,
0: actually not leaving. <laughs> He's just going to stay the night. <laughs> It's going to be here till 4 a.m. Sleepover. Watching it and, and watching it in my basement while I sleep. <laughs> all right. Um, what are we on? So we just did six. Me and Stephano so, have the same one. So, Kirk, we need your six. Excellent. My
1: six, I guarantee you, is not on your guys' list. Are you ready? Yes. It's a documentary that released in January of 2023. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready? Yes. It is called Still. a Ooh. Michael J. Fox. Movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie, it's a shame That it released on apple tv plus because not everyone has it in fact i just uh unsubscribed to it and then because i bought gift cards i got free a free renewal subscription to april for apple tv plus but again it's called still a michael j fox movie it's about his entire successful career it's about his uh the the moment that he understood that something was changing in his life he had a very hectic life uh, in in show business, and then all of a sudden, and very successful, and then it came crashing down. I followed this story as a child uh, when when it broke, when when it, he first was diagnosed, when he when he expressed that he had it, and then when he expressed that he was leaving, when he left, retired from Spin City, the TV series, and seeing the journey. Uh, from behind the scenes was so powerful. I'm getting chills right now. I I was just floored by, first of all, his perseverance because he's such an underdog. Uh, I view myself as an underdog in the world, and I love stories like that so, so much. And how he just oh not overcame it, because obviously he's still going through it, uh, but that he's surviving it day in and day out every brutal and terrible struggle that he's gone through he just throws on the table and thro- talks about all of his successes and his gr- his greatest losses and his greatest successes through it and this is such a powerful movie and it absolutely had to get on my top 10
0: wow that's that's a ringing endorsement do you view, view yourself as an underdog because of your Irish heritage that's exactly yeah. what actually I, I thought so I thought so and mm-hmm. I didn't
1: realize that till late in life but then I'm like you know
0: there's not a lot of people it's that just look like blood. me. It's in your blood, man. Yeah, it's it's you know people always forget about the Irish. They just get <laughs> cast to the side. Well, a documentary at number six is uh, surprising, and yeah. I like it. I like it. Change it up a little bit. Um, I watch documentaries, but I never think of them whenever I do these sorts of exercises. So I, I, maybe I should. I'm being ignorant. Yeah. Um, okay, it's... we're at midway five midway. now. Right we're just going to power through. Or that it was though. my number six. That was your six. You guys six. matched sixes. We matched sixes. So, so we're we at are five. at five. And you. <laughs> this is getting so crazy.
1: I knew <laughs> well, it would. Well, let me step in. My five has already been discussed. It was Maestro. So I'm off the table. Okay.
0: My five is not. I'm going to go. Go, please. I'm going to go. Yes. My number five is The Boy and the Heron, uh, the Hayao Miyazaki uh, directed film that released this year. Man, I feel like I need to give the same kind of ringing endorsement that kirk just did because it was it was beautiful and this movie the boy in the Heron touched me it, it was it was such a deep and beautiful way i think this story is is interpretive as his films often are but i think that this movie i just really clicked with it and i viewed it as a, a you know a, a f- when things in your life are out of control you want to escape and you want to find your happy place where you can get things under control but that's not always the right to do something some things are not in your control and this movie really personified that in a way that Hayao Miyazaki only can do um with his amazing animation style I thought it was gorgeously animated I reviewed it on the podcast I gave it extremely high marks um I just really loved it and it's the kind of warm uh just comforting film that I've come to expect from Studio Ghibli and Hayao Miyazaki and uh I was thrilled that I got to see it in theaters. I've never seen one of his films in the theaters before, and it was just—it was really just when I look back and think about the movies I saw in theaters, this this theater experience ranks very highly because it was it was packed full. I was with my nephews. Um, it was just a very—I don't know. Everybody was very engaged, and it was really lovely. So number five,
2: the boy in the Heron.
1: beautiful. Stefano, is that on your top ten?
2: Uh. Cam, I think, broke into my house and saw my notebook list. No way. The Boy boy and the Heron is my number five. No way. (laughs) And, of course, I echo everything that that you said on that. And I also want to touch on just, and it's, it's a theme through all of Miyazaki's movies, is he is the absolute best at just letting scenes last a little longer than most viewers are comfortable with, just to kind of let you take a breath. Just kind of enjoy the beauty of it enjoy these characters enjoy the pastures and let's wait a moment for the next scene because you know part of the reason we're watching these movies is to just kind of escape for a little bit and the the world he built here is you know one of the most memorable and one of my favorites out of any of his ever and i love that you talked about the just movie going experience of it because with me i as i mostly do went to see this by myself And while the movie has its sad moments, it's not an inherently fully sad film, Mm -hmm. but when I left and it was over and I was walking in my car, I just felt so sad because that was the first time, the only time I would have seen that movie and been in that world for the first time ever. Yeah. And just leaving that behind on the, on the walk to my car was, uh, was sad to me, but that's the whole point. And it was, it was just beautiful. So I absolutely loved it. And I love that. The English dub was phenomenal. So as, good. As so many people are talking about. Yeah, shout not out re- to G-Kids. Re- G-Kids killed um, it. Unreal. So, yep. Boy in the Heron.
1: This was it. not on my list. However, just a reminder that uh, Cam and I, mostly me, failed you in our last episode. That I was supposed to give you a review of <laughs> Howl's Moving Castle. As uh, No, my-
0: in last episode I said at the end of the movie... At the end of the review, I'm gonna tell Kirk what, what oh. movie he has to watch for Animation Station and we'll talk about it next episode. <laughs> and then I never said the movie, but I told Kirk he has to watch Howl's Moving Castle. And, and I think you did. And I did. All right,
1: so next episode <laughs> I'm gonna talk about it next episode. So next episode.
0: <laughs> Kirk's you, animation station. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna have props. I'm gonna have costumes. Yes. So be there.
0: That's so great. Uh, Kirk, was your five already picked? Is that right?
1: My five was Maestro. Okay. My four. Was Killers of the Flower Moon also taken off the board?
0: And your three was talked about too.
1: And my three was holdovers. So you're,
0: you're, I'm just waiting on top two for a while. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: let's listen to that for a bit. All right,
0: Stefano, give us your four. Um, so I don't steal another one from your list.
2: Sounds good. And my four was my number one for a bit, it was my number two for a very, very, very long time. Uh, and it ended up moving back to four, but it for no fault of its own because like I said, a very strong year. Number four is Past Lives. Mm. And I, that was my first review, my first contribution to to Popcorn for Breakfast was my review on that movie. And, you know, it's another one of those just subtle beauties. And I think that, um, Pam, you compared it to last year's After Sun where it's just kind of the soft-spoken, interesting story about characters and, and you kind of just take it for what it is. There's no, you know, huge, you know, groundbreaking event that takes place that completely change everybody's, everybody's lives. There's no, you know, nothing like that. There's no huge showy performances, but there's a bunch of really delicately handled situations and a super interesting situation where, you know, somebody might see this movie on the face and think it's a movie about this love triangle. Right. Cause we have our main character, you know, and who is married and uh, an old, you know, best friend and, you know, crush, comes back into her life so you're like oh this might be one of those types of movies but really it's just a, a story a, you know story about these three people and how to, how this very specific type of life event can can change things or not change things and, and how to deal with it and how you know and what kills me too is I'm always one of those people that I'm a big person on butterfly effect how one thing affects the other thing right I get in my head about that all the time and this is one of those well what if I would have stayed back home in Korea? What if I would have, you know, seen out a relationship with this person? How would my life be different? Would it have been better? Would it have been worse? That's kind of, you know, for you to decide.
0: Yeah, and it handles it, it it handles it in such a unique way. Past Lives is actually number three on my list. All right. Um, So it it handles it in a really unique way and in a way that I didn't think it would, but for me, more than anything, what I I really like about this movie is just kind of what it represents in the, like, global film-going landscape. Like, here we are, we have a movie that's, like, half in Korean and half in English. And everybody's just chill. You know, like this movie is being seen by tons of people. It's going to get probably nominated for some awards. You know, it's doing well um, in terms of critical acclaim. And I just love that because I think that a few years ago that just really wasn't the case. And I credit, you know, movies like Parasite for really um, changing people's viewpoint. I love that, like, in my top ten, there are you know foreign language films that like films that are not in my primary language and i don't think any differently about that it's so much fun like last year i had decision to leave which is entirely in in japanese drive my car same thing um so uh it's just really actually i think decision to leave is korean but um either way it's really cool that we are here now and can have access to films from other countries sooner and um this movie is not is is, is an American film, but I'm just saying it's really cool that we can see movies that just switch back and forth. They aren't worried about, oh, we can't do a movie with subtitles or, oh, we can't do a movie with this because they know that the consumer is there and there are people there who will watch it. So we're just getting access to a lot more cool stories now um, and I'm super thankful for that. Yeah, and there's always...
1: Oh go ahead. No, don't go Kirk. Go, There's Kirk. always the the fine line between like streaming and theater. You know, try to see movies in theaters as much as you can, but as far as accessibility, yes. We never saw these 5 years ago. No. They just were like, all right, that's the foreign films. Uh hopefully we can buy it online one day. And now we have direct access to it so much faster. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And what I was going to quickly say was Celine Song who wrote and directed this. This was her first movie. Yeah. Unreal and writing and directing it and it's just unbelievable that, you know, now the stakes are so much higher, it seems, you know, because we're getting these types of things as somebody's first movie and it was just exciting to see that, you know, add someone else to that list of movies to look out for in the future. Oh, for sure. Beautiful. For sure. Beautiful.
0: Um all right. So that was Stefano's
1: number three. That was your number. Uh, was my number my
0: four, four. And my three. <laughs> so now we're on three. Stefanos three is spoken for your three is spoken for.
2: Yep. What was your four Kim?
0: Oh, my four. You're right. My four.
2: Um,
0: we're on four still. And I have a four, uh, Spider-Man across the spider verse is my four. Um, just blown away by what these guys have done with this series. I I remember seeing the first trailer for into the spider verse and thinking, you know, as a Spider-Man fan thinking that looks cool and being familiar with the Miles Morales character thinking, I can't believe they're, they're doing this. This Mm -hmm. is awesome. um, I, I didn't see it coming together that quickly. I thought, you know, Miles is a really cool character in the comics and people seem to take to it really fast, but Spider-Man is such a iconic character and Peter Parker and all this. So I just didn't see there being a Miles Morales-centric story that soon. And to do it in this medium, and then to see the film and be like, what? Like, my <laughs> head is exploding. I can't believe what's happening. And then to follow it up with this sequel that is so bomb and, and just... Oh, man, it does so much so well. And, and the fact that they just up the ante in so many different ways with the animation, different layers going in different frame rates and mm-hmm. the, the sound mixing and everything is just like just a gorgeous technical achievement from an animated film. So, I, you know, The Boy and the Heron and Across the Spider-Verse, back-to-back animated films in my top ten, I wouldn't have it wow. any other way.
1: Fantastic. Stefano, is that up there on your top two?
2: it's not in my top two um top three but it was very high on my list i had it at i think 18 and echoing everything camson just phenomenal and you know it's because so many kids love spider-man you know what's exciting was they're if for kids that were able to see it they're seeing this super extravagant and awesome animation style that they may not have seen you know watching something yes. like the, the minions mm-hmm. or something like that so it's introducing them to that to that world of you know oh you know, what else is out there that looks like this? And it was really exciting. So yeah. phenomenal, of course.
1: A couple of weeks ago uh, for my birthday, I just got this hooked up. They're called GoV LED backlights for my TV. And it will actually, it has a camera and it watches your television and matches the color oh, yeah. and, it, and it blows it up behind the screen. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I got this incredible toy. What movie am I going to turn on? And my kids are like, Turn on, uh, turn on the the Spider Verse movie. I'm like, okay, and we turned on into the Spider Verse. I'm like, what scene should I do? My kid's like, where the collider blows up, Dad. Of course. <laughs> and so I turn on the first one, and all of the all of the colors are swirling around the back of my TV, and I can't wait to turn.
2: And the on. camera
0: burst into flames. <laughs> yes, exactly. and it was it ruined. It was ruined. <laughs> oh my god! You're getting a
2: bunch of ads served to you <laughs> about stuff you're talking about in your living room. <laughs>
1: exactly exactly i made a horrible decision a tragic story <laughs> i'm returning it tomorrow
0: <laughs> that's awesome i need to get one of those because that that's that's the next step for me oh my gosh
1: it changed my life and it's only been two weeks and i'm so happy with it
0: i love it i love it number three i think who my number three is spoken for i had past lives you had holdovers uh, holdovers stephano do we know your three we don't
2: know my three. Oh, here we go here it is all right my number three uh, the most recent movie I've seen, I believe, uh, Poor Things is nice. my number three. The Yorgos Lanthimos movie, and I know this one had so much hype around it coming out of festivals this past year because we know that when we're getting a Yorgos Lanthimos movie, we're, <laughs> we're getting the most wild thing you'll see that year. And with this, it's potentially his most wild, his most, um, I don't know, just extravagant, and it was exactly what I hoped for, exactly what I expected Um, in some ways but you know all of it was was so good it was of course you know the story of this brain surgeon doctor kind of reanimates somebody back to life and that character is you know bella played by emma stone and emma stone i i've never seen an actress so committed to just this role while you know unfold on screen she's just absolutely ridiculous she's hysterical her physical acting in this is just ridiculous you know she's she has basically an infant's brain in this adult body to start off with and she's trying to figure out how to walk and it's just it plays for you know physical gags but also just amazement because you've never seen anything quite like it it's absolutely bonkers the production design i also want to touch on and one frustrating thing about the academy awards and, and all of this is when something in the technical categories obviously stands out early on it seems like that's set in stone so yeah. with barbie that seems to be set in stone because greta grover created this amazing world with the barbie set and i think we talked about some of our uh, some of my hesitancies with that one i think were a lot of the confinement actually of, of the sets but after i saw four things i was like this is sensational yeah. and the production design is sensational. The costumes in this are sensational. And I think it's, it might lose out both of those two to that movie, but I just wanted to touch on those specifically for poor things. Cause it was awesome. Hysterical Mark Ruffalo, unhinged, hilarious, <laughs> yes. amazing performance. Good Lord, Mark Ruffalo.
1: Oh good. It was one of his good movies. I didn't see it's it, really, but I'm still so really glad good, was he's, good on a, he's on
0: a
2: heater right now. He's, he's he crushing it. So absolutely love this moving, funny, Kind of, kind of weird. It was weird, but I loved it so yeah, much.
0: Kind of weird, I would say, is an enormous understatement.
2: I don't watch, don't watch this with your parents. Definitely
0: what? not. I, I saw this at two, and I almost invited my mom to go see it with me. And I was <laughs> like, thank goodness I didn't do that, because um, it is there is some content. Um, the majority of the film, yes, uh, <laughs> but I had this at number two. I love yes. this. Movie. Wow! I, I, I saw it, and I was like. I was in amazement of it. Yorgos, I mean, is obviously, like, he's a legend. Um, He does so many thoughtful and and unique things. And I have to admit, like, at the beginning, I was like, where are we going with this? Like, where are we going? This is crazy. Um, But as it starts to come together, it it comes together as a really, really thought-provoking satire and one that is, like this is what in my letterboxd review was crazy for this movie, but just almost as crazy as the movie. But it's like, <laughs> this is what a satire is to me, this movie. It's like something that invades your mind. It, 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 goes, it goes to places that are so funny and so zany that it lowers your, your walls mm-hmm. to make you vulnerable to and, and open-minded to new thoughts. And then it inserts a thought into your head without you knowing it. And then you go, Oh, this is what they're trying to say. I might agree with that. I don't know. This, this to me is what a satire should be. We get told a lot of movies are satires that are just like beating you over the head with their theme. And I'm like, to me, that's not satire. I I, like, it's just not. Um, And this is, and it's spectacular. Totally agree with your point on the production design, the cinematography, the lighting, the costume design. It's, it's checks a ton of boxes. The acting performances are insane. Um, I loved it. So I had it at number two.
2: Beautiful. Awesome. And it tells its you know, obvious, you know, story of female empowerment, but tells it in, in a fun, interesting way that doesn't, you know, serve it to you on uh, you know, yeah. out of a cough, syrup bottle, into a spoon and shows it in your mouth. Like when someone gives a five minute monologue in a movie. Yep. Like thank you a, for, thank you for like saying that. Cause I'm pink, sure we'll
0: get annihilated. A very pink saturated monologue in a movie. Would you say that Stefano?
2: Uh, maybe <laughs>
0: I'll be honest. Like I, I wanted to love that movie hard and there's so much good about Barbie. That's really so good to me. And I've heard some people say to the contrary, like the America Ferreira monologue (sighs) is the best part of that movie. I've heard, I I think like Jim Cameron said that, which I mean, that is what it is, but um, he's a, he's a character to me. That's where that movie dies to me. That's where that movie becomes ineffective. Um, And I just think like, You know, I think it could be on this list if they had just made it a true satire, not made it a a soapboxy, preachy movie about things that we already know. And the fact that it comes from the literal toy corporation that makes these toys is the one making the movie. It just like really falls, totally falls on deaf ears after all of that. That's my opinion on it. But to the people who love it, I'm glad you love it. I think it's great. Um, It's just, there's a reason. Like that to me is not a satire. Poor Things is a satire. To me. Well, my number anyway. two is Barbie, gentlemen, so I'm so glad that you're here. <laughs> have we talked about your number two? Not yet, no. We haven't talked about Stefano's number two. No, we know no. We know my number two. Kirk, Perfect. why don't you give us your number two, and then we'll go to Stefano. All right,
1: my number two, gentlemen. I don't want to mess it up, so hold on. I got
0: to get back to my <laughs> spreadsheet. Hold on. Kirk doesn't know. He's pulling these King, out of a hat. King, Kangaroo Jack. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Kangaroo
1: Jack returns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> This one. This one, I absolutely love this director, and I, d- I don't care what you think, anyone. <laughs> my, my number two pick is Flora and Son from Mr. John Carney. Uh, if you've seen Once, if you've seen Begin Again, if you've seen Sing Street, this is his latest and greatest musical depiction of just the human condition, Jack Rayner, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and many other actors that I should know their names by memory, but Every time this man puts out a movie, every time, I'm like, maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be bad, and it's always perfect. He has a 100% uh, just streak of absolute bangers. Every song and every film is perfect, and this is no less. There's a certain beautiful magic that he creates with the camera and the music and the characters, and you have to have all three. If you just do one or the other, it's like, okay, you did the thing, but as soon as you put all three in motion together, you are just uh, out of this world I, and I, I just I don't know how he does it every time I go into it thinking ah it's going to be similar to the other movies he's already done he's going to pull the same tricks no no it's always different and it's always in a new location and I don't understand how he's so cultured and so good at music and so good at understanding people Florence and Son has my heart and I hope it has yours too when you get to see it
2: I like that movie a lot it was good oh.
0: good
1: movie
2: Love, love that it. movie as well. It is just, I mean, like, I, I agree totally with, you know, Carney movies and it makes it sound like movie. <laughs> movies made by <laughs> Carney's. I love,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare Alley. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yes. Um, but. It was, you know, I I remember seeing Sing Street in theaters and being just so floored after seeing that. But this movie is also, obviously, that's so much heart. It's so funny. Very funny. funny, Very funny. So many laugh out loud moments, like when she's interacting with her son and they're like (laughs) about to make this music video. And it's just some of the funniest moments of the year for sure. Yes, it's good. All
0: right, Stefano, what do you have at number
2: two? At number two. I have all of us strangers oh. and i am you know i know this one it has not been released wide yet so that's a huge bummer i was fortunate enough to see it at the st louis international film festival i know it's played at a bunch of film festivals it's released limitedly in new york la and all that and which is a bummer because if this unfortunately it's how it works with campaigning for awards and all that if this was released a little more widely and it was seen a little more than the conversation around it would be much different um about awards and all of that but uh this movie just floored me emotionally it is told in such it's a story that's told in such a weird way it's almost a fairy tale and you don't get that too much from the trailer and i made sure to read all the the summaries before i spoke on it because i didn't want to spoil anything but it is known that our you know main character played by andrew scott his parents have passed away and he sees them you know, as they were when he last saw them, but he is a, an adult now. Oh. And that's something that I wasn't, didn't quite put together uh, with the trailer, but that is it's known summary he gave out. And so basically he, he lives in this apartment building. He's by himself. He meets Paul Mescal, uh, his character. And, you know, it's, he's a, he's a writer. So he's kind of writing the story and it's just the story of him, reconnecting with his parents and telling them these, these things that he wasn't able to tell them in all of these years in between when they passed and, and now, and he's able to connect with Paul Meskell's character. And it's just so it's gut wrenching. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those where you try to find things in yourself that these characters are dealing with or struggling with. And you kind of, you know, it brings it out onto the screen. The performances were amazing. Andrew Scott, I know it seems like we have a consen. It seems like there's a consensus for lead actor nominations, and then there's that fifth spot. You have Zach Efron, Jeffrey Wright, Andrew Scott has gotten some love, and Andrew Scott. I think it'd be a shame if he wasn't, you know, in the field. Uh, blew me away. Paul Mescal, of course, brings another ridiculous performance, and then Claire Foy and <laughs> uh, Jamie Bell were also in this. By the way, surprise, and they're both amazing. Um, super artfully directed, beautiful, sad, and. I just beg everybody to watch it when it comes out.
0: Nice. Oh, man. I can't wait for that one. That's going to be good. Yeah. I'm hyped good. about that. All right. Number two.
1: <sighs> oh, Kirk. Mine's gone, right? Oh, yeah. Yours is mine gone. Mine was Florence. Then, and yeah. mine's
0: gone because mine was poor things. Beautiful.
2: So we're on Uh-oh. one.
1: We're on all one
0: we're on for
1: one. all three of us. Is that yeah. right? It feels crash. like we
2: might be on a collision course here. But might, might seem a little bit. <laughs> Do obvious. we all have
1: the same one? Let's, let's reveal the first letter <laughs> in our number one. <laughs> okay, go mic one wait Stephen will go uh
2: my my let's see uh <laughs> it starts with the letter c it
1: starts with the letters
2: <laughs> uh o
1: the letter o okay oh. cameron
0: o for me is mine. mine
1: also starts with the
0: letter o all right so it's oppenheimer, oppenheimer. oppenheimer. all right who wants to go first on oppenheimer our guest Stefan. i've
2: talked i've talked a lot i've talked about recently someone else can go i'll go okay. i'm
0: selfish i'll take it um i think I'm excited about Oppenheimer. I think Oppenheimer is one of those movies you see and you're like, yep, this is it. This is essential cinema. This is something that is new. This is something that feels different. This movie, I talked a lot about it when it came out. I think one of its defining characteristics is how it just kind of transcends genre. Um, It talks about things um, historically in a way that People a lot of times just aren't really... They, they kind of color within the lines, I think, a lot of times on this like historical nonfiction type stuff, particularly as it relates to wars. A lot of it's just like finding cool stories about a war, finding cool stories from the past and talking about it. This is... Let's look at it through the lens of J. Robert Oppenheimer. His whole experience start to finish with this, this whole Manhattan Project and everything that happened during it and after it. And not pulling any punches. I mean, at times this movie is horrifying at times it's, uh, you know, it, 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 I don't know. You walk out of it and you're like, Oh my, (laughs) like, (laughs) what did I just see? And what, what, how does that make me feel about what's happening in the world? I mean, it just really makes you think about things in a way that I certainly wasn't expecting. And I don't think people typically expect when they walk into what they think is just a biopic. Um, this movie is so much more than that. The performances are unbelievable. The scale of it is so impressive. And I think eventually that's going to be what puts this movie over the top and, and why it wins, in my opinion, best picture at the Academy Awards and why Christopher Nolan should win best director regardless. Um, it's, it's a masterwork. It's, it's unbelievable. And I, it's one of those things where putting this at number one, I'm like, yeah, it's number one. Yeah. It, like, I, I don't feel any... I, I, I'm not wavering in the slightest bit. I, I think the gap is decently wide. I mean, it's number one. Beautiful.
1: Yeah,
2: I agree with all that, Cam. And I know it. I didn't really talk to you, both of you about it much and my thoughts on it, but it is everything you said. And the central performance from Killian Murphy is is mesmerizing really he just embodies it so much and so well obviously we all know he tells so much with his eyes and with his expressions and i just love it so much i do hope he gets honored for his work on it because it was sensational and the movie was built around him and made for him you know christopher nolan knew he was the one for it and the supporting cast you have all these amazing actors and actresses throughout you know one of my because uh, my wife is obsessed with Killian Murphy for good reason, as I am. <laughs> Watched a bunch of the press tour. And one thing that really stuck out to me was, you know, Florence Pugh. And it was shocking to some to see Florence Pugh in such a small role. And Christopher Nolan called her and offered her the role and apologized, first and foremost, for having such a small role for her. But he know, he knew he wanted her to be a part of it. And she said, it doesn't matter how big or small the role is, I want to be part of it. And uh, I think it was pretty telling You know, with the caliber of actors and actresses that come on to his movies, just amazing. And I watched the, you know, I was lucky to get the 4K and I watched the behind the scenes and just watching him put this stuff together and how much he cares about the craft of filmmaking. And, you know, some call him, full. I don't think he's full of himself. I just think he cares about it that much. And he wants to give the audience the best possible version of this movie that they can watch. Because if you watch this in 70 years, it's going to look just as good as it did when we saw it in theaters. Yes. So.
1: Yes. And this, this was the film that invented new technology for it to uh, be made. And the, the, the amount of care that was taken for this film and the fact that every living actor on earth was in this film, uh, that that's, uh, it's just so incredible how it was brought together and you cannot do that unless you have such a fine finite vision for it and the resources and the passion for it and Oppenheimer should sweep at the Academy Awards for that reason alone.
0: Yeah, I think it, I'd be shocked if it didn't win quite a few awards. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. We but. should see
1: best five. You know, we haven't seen the the the, the top yeah, five. Yeah, the big five. Yep. Hasn't happened since one flew of the cuckoo's nest. So I would be very happy if this could be the next time it happens.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, that's top tens, guys. Before we bounce out of here, let's just quickly go through our top tens, uh, bottom to top so that we can have it succinctly here for everyone who's been listening along for this very long show. We thank you for sticking with us. We had to get all of our thoughts out, and I'm glad that we did. Um, I had number 10, John Wick Chapter 4, number 9, Maestro, number 8, The Iron Claw, number 7, The Holdovers, number 6, Anatomy of a Fall, number 5, The Boy and the Heron, number 4, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, number 3, Past Lives, number 2, Poor Things, and number 1, Oppenheimer.
1: Kirk? My number 10, Dungeons and Dragons. Number nine, Super Mario Brothers. Number eight, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Number seven, John Wick 4. Number six, Still, a Michael J. Fox movie. Number five, Maestro. Number four, Killers of the Flower Moon. Number three, The Holdovers. Number two, Flora and Sun. And number one,
0: Oppenheimer. And Stefano.
2: All right. Uh, number 10, I had The Iron Claw. Number nine, Killers of the Flower Moon. Eight, the holdovers, seven, May December, six, anatomy of a fall, five, the boy and the heron, four, past lives, three, poor things, two, all of us strangers, and number one, Oppenheimer.
0: I love
1: it. I love that we all had Oppenheimer as number one. We it did, but there's really a good happy.
2: there's
0: a good mix in the middle there, which is, there what, is what makes this fun. So I'm I'm thrilled to see that. Thrilled that you guys could all be here. Stefano, thank you for joining us. Of course. As always. <laughs> um if you are watching this or listening and you have a top ten. Hit the comment section. Let us know. We're dying to know. I, I look at these lists all the live long day on Twitter. Um, I just love to see what my favorite critics are saying. What, you know, people who... I did not even know where cinephiles are, are posting on Twitter. Here's my top ten movies. And I love I love to look at it. So please let us know. We're dying to share with you. You can let us know on Discord or anywhere in the comment sections on our various social media. And, of course, the YouTube video. Um, otherwise... Thank you so much for being here. We have to give a special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band Rhetoric, who created our original uh, music, and our presenting sponsor, St. Series Smoothie Kinks. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next time.
1: Talk to you then,